Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. Hi, and welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Christina. And that's Victoria. And this week we are going to cover the story of St. Catherine of Siena. Now. Okay. She feels famous. Yes, she is. Um, This story is by far the first one that I've ever felt like truly conflicted on. Okay. Okay. I like really don't know how I feel about it on a lot of levels, uh, which I actually think is kind of good because a lot of the people, like pretty much everybody we've covered up until now is like, you know, they really have just kind of been like good people, you know? Mm -hmm. I think she probably was a good person, but maybe it's just, uh, you know, function of the times where I'm like, I don't know if this person should really be a saint. (laughs) Just kind of like. Well, that doesn't bode well. Isn't she, like, a really common choice as, like, a confirmation saint name? Probably. So. I feel like she is. She, it's probably because she is, in fact, a doctor of the church. Okay. I'm not, I, like, I do know why, but I'm also not, not super sure why. Okay. Okay. She doesn't seem up enough with the ranks of, like, you know, Cyril and Methodius, who, like, really did a fucking bunch of shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway, we'll get into it, okay? So uh, throughout okay. this, I I think I refer mostly to her as Katerina. It's okay. just, you know, the other form of Catherine. So she was born as Katerina di Jacopo di Bianicasa on March 25th mm-hmm. of 1347. Uh, she was born in the Republic of Siena, which, you know, it was its own thing. Now it's in modern day Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the second youngest of... How many kids, Tara? 14. 25. Oh my god. <laughs> so, <sighs> according to all of the sources, like, everybody's like, either half or more than half of the siblings, you know, didn't survive infancy or childhood. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, in total there were 25, but of those that actually survived, you know, it was more of, probably more of a normal number. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how many did survive. Uh, but it is said that, like, you know, half of her mother's children died, you know, before they were mm-hmm. older than yeah. children, you know? Yeah. Um, so she's the second youngest of 25, um, but most of those probably didn't survive. We don't know, or we do know that um, Katerina and her twin sister Giovanna 
were born premature and that Giovanna died in infancy. Okay. So they were born uh, the 23rd and the 24th kids. Um, And then two years later, uh, when Katerina was two, her mother had her 25th child, who her parents also named Giovanna, probably because Mm. the other Giovanna died. Yeah. Um, so at this time, like when Katerina is born, her mother, mm-hmm. Lapa Pigenti, Pigenti, uh, mm-hmm. was 40. So. Okay. Old for childbearing at the time, let's just say. Yeah. Um, what year did you say she was born in? 1347. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. It's not good. Having like a plague. Yeah. yeah so it it's right before <laughs> one of the plagues. But it doesn't okay. come up in the story at all, weirdly. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's around that time, too. Um, so overall, her family's, you know, lower middle class. Uh, her father, Jacopo, is a dyer, a cloth dyer. So, you know, uh-huh. we're not, you know, <laughs> it's incredible yeah. that they've got this many children because there's not much to go around, I don't think. Um, so overall kind of dark. You know? <laughs> right? It's a good yep. start. Um, but it's sad that as a child, you know, Katerina is, like, such a happy kid that her family mm-hmm. nicknames her Euphrosine, um, which is Greek for joy. Okay. Which is fun, I guess. Yes. Um, sure. By the time she's six, she has her first vision of Christ. Uh, mm. As far as I can tell, Christ doesn't, like, Jesus doesn't tell her anything, because I couldn't find anywhere in the sources that he said anything to her, but basically her and her, one of her brothers mm-hmm. <laughs> are coming home after visiting a married sister. Um, so that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. 25 kids, there's obviously going to be kids that are way older. So yep. Katarina is six and she has an older sister who's married, you know, um, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they're coming back, like walking back from visiting their sister and they see, uh, a vision of Jesus uh, sat with Peter, Paul, and John. Okay. As far as I can tell, nobody says anything. She just sees this. Mm-hmm. We move on. Um, I, it, to me, it's kind of odd because I don't, I'm like, would a six-year-old recognize Jesus, Peter, Paul, and John? Or is it Probably one of those situations where she just... Yeah, I know. Or is it just one of those situations where she just, like, knows like, Jesus yeah. makes her, like, no. They didn't you know? say anything to her, did they? No, I don't think so. Hmm. So, or is it that she saw it and she's a six-year-old and she's like, I don't know, fucking know. And then when she's, you know, older, she was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. you know, Jesus, Peter, and I bet those were Peter, Paul, and John, you know. So, uh, who knows. Mm-hmm. But um, either way, supposedly at seven, um, she vowed, this is where we start getting into stuff that I hate. Um, <laughs> either way, she... Uh, by seven, she supposedly vows to give her life to God, which is fine. Good. A lot of them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it also come back to the thing of like, did she actually do that at seven? Or did people come back later and be like, she was so great. She did it at seven, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also supposedly at seven, she pledges her virginity to Jesus. Mm, don't like that. Hate that. Um, I doubt a seven-year-old not pledging her virginity. She doesn't even yeah. know what that is. Um, maybe she's like, oh, like, I love God and stuff. Like, I can see that from a seven-year-old. But she ain't know what virginity is. She ain't <laughs> pledging that shit to nowhere. So, yeah. 
that is almost certainly added later. Um, mm-hmm. It is po- quite possible she was, you know, a pious kid or whatever and was like, yay God or whatever, but she wasn't mm-hmm. doing that shit. So, um, kind of all this religious stuff comes to a head when she's 16. So, prime marrying okay. off time, you know? Yep. Um, her mother is pressuring her, pressuring her to, quote, improve her appearance to attract a husband. Mm, which is such a mom move, especially in the 1300s. Yeah. <laughs> her mom's like, you gotta brush your hair more, goddammit. <laughs> like, figure it out. That's basically what her mom's doing. Um, and instead, Katarina cuts all her hair off because she's like, I don't want to get married because she mm-hmm. supposedly pledged her virginity to Jesus. Um, so then this is not, you know, parents are angry. They're like, you have to get married. And she's like, No. And then she cuts her all her hair off her and her mom's like, look what you've done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly after, her sister, one of her older sisters, Bonaventura, dies in childbirth, which is not great. But, you know, nope. it's the 1300s. So uh, it's kind of a miracle that their mother mm-hmm. didn't die in childbirth after doing it 25 times. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, so after her sister dies, her parents try and force her to marry her sister's, you know, widowed husband. Uh, yeah. you know, the common, like, widowed yeah, men with married sisters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. she is like, um, no, absolutely not. Partially because she's, like, trying to be religious and kind of wants mm-hmm. to go the religious route and her parents don't want her to. But also because she heard from her sister that this husband was not the best guy. <laughs> okay. Her sister was like, he's, like, a little bit abusive you know and her sister had told her that if she refused to eat then the husband would be less abusive and so after bonaventura dies to try and like avoid this guy um Mm -hmm. katarina just enters into like some severe fasting to like protest and stuff um bad bad and this is where she develops like this psychological method for like surviving hard times, which is like, to me, it doesn't sound good. I understand it's the 1300s and you just got to mm-hmm. do what you got to do to survive, but it doesn't like, I'm not, she basically tells other people to do like other women to do this too. And I'm just like, ah, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound good. But she says, she's quoted later, like telling other people to do this. She says, quote, Build a cell inside your mind from which you can never flee. She then explains that in this little, like, illusion she made for herself, she, like, during this time, she pretended like her father was Jesus, her mother was Mm -hmm. the Virgin Mary, and her brothers were the apostles. So she would just pretend they were them, and she would serve them like she would serve, like, Jesus and Mary if they were, like, alive. So she just, like, put herself into, like, this extreme position of service and, like, just, like, locked her, all of her feelings away and was, like... Good. And I'm, like, I understand that you're, like, trying to avoid something that sounds horrible. Like, obviously, we don't want to be married to this abusive guy. Yeah. But uh, that, you know, that was her survival mechanism. Maybe don't tell other people to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm not super jazzed about that. But, yeah, she told, like, other women who wanted to become nuns or to like follow her to like do this of like you know just lock all your feelings away and that's not good and i'm like yeah that's not healthy that's not good for you so she does this um 
Uh, and eventually, I mean, she survives it. She doesn't get married. Eventually, her father gives up on trying to get her to get married, uh, as does mm-hmm. her mother, as we'll talk about in a second. Um, she also refuses to be a nun. Not super sure why. Because uh, that kind of seems like the path to go. You know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of what a lot of them do, but she does not. Um, so she doesn't want to be married, and she doesn't want to become a nun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think kind of because she doesn't want to be just locked away in a convent and not like spreading the word and like out with the people, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, nuns at the time is kind of just like you live in a convent and you don't really do much. Yeah. Um, so I think she wanted to be like out doing things while also being pious. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. So that seems to make sense. Um, so about during this time, kind of when they're still trying to get her to get married, um, she gets seriously ill and her mother takes her to the baths in Bagno Vignoni. <laughs> to try and cure her illness because that's what she did in the 1300s um uh-huh. so during this illness she basically is like sick enough that she like convinces her mother to let her join the metellate so probably mm-hmm. just her mom was just like you could do whatever if you survive because i don't want you to die because i've lost 14 children or whatever the hell already mm-hmm. um so she convinces her to let her join the metellate and the metellate is a local group of devout women who are not nuns they're just like a little church group <laughs> or okay. something you know Fun. cute um so the mentelate uh she kind of like joins up with the mentelate the mentelate teach katarina how to read which is cool mm-hmm. uh and they teach her the practice of like living in uh like asceticism like silent solitude yeah. fasting all that jazz mm-hmm. um she begins you know the practice of giving to the poor like food and clothing uh to the extent that she gives so much to the poor from like her family without asking her mm-hmm. family that she basically almost ruins her family. Uh-oh. And, like, which, you know, it's one thing to choose that life for yourself, but especially when, you know, you kind of have a younger family anyway, it's just, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound great. Um, so she, you know, eventually she's just living in poverty, you know, the rest of her life, asceticism, yeah. that kind of jazz. Classic. Right, so I am going to tell you this next bit that I hate so much, and I need somebody else to have this in their brain. (laughs) Okay, doesn't feel like a good start. It is so unfortunate, and (laughs) it's just like, I'm kind of stunned that we haven't come across this already. We've come across the... Like, whole virginity, marriage to Jesus thing before. Uh-huh. But never to this extent. <laughs> Which, maybe, the modern websites are just cutting this stuff out, because everybody's like, ew. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. okay. So I feel good. Now I'm scared. <laughs> I hate it so much that I'm not even going to describe it. I'm just going to read the paragraph from Wikipedia that describes it. Oh, uh, no. So, quote... Uh, oh, so a little bit of preface. We're going to talk about Raymond of Capua a lot. He is, he be- later in life, he becomes like her confessor, spiritual director, dude, you know? Okay. And then she- he also writes like her biography, basically, when she dies. So okay. a lot of this information comes from the stuff that he wrote. So according okay. to Raymond of Capua, this is quote from Wikipedia. According to Raymond of Capua, at the age of 21, circa, you know, 1368-ish, Catherine experienced what she described in her letters as a, quote, mystical marriage with Jesus. 
Later, a popular subject in art as the mystic marriage of St. Catherine. So they, you know, artists, you know, around the time did this a lot when they were doing all the religious paintings. Mm Mm-hmm. Caroline Walker Bynum explains one surprising and controversial aspect of this marriage that occurs both in artistic representations of the event and in some early accounts of her life. Quote, underlining the extent to which the marriage was a fusion with Christ physically, Catherine received not the ring of gold and jewels that her biographer reports in his bolderized version, but the ring of Christ's foreskin. Catherine herself mentions the foreskin as a wedding ring motif in one of her letters, number 221, equating the wedding ring of a virgin with a foreskin. She typically claimed that her own wedding ring to Christ was simply invisible. She wrote in a letter to encourage a nun who seems to have been undergoing a prolonged period of spiritual trial and torment. She wrote, quote, Bathe in the blood of the crucify of Christ crucified. See that you don't look for or want anything but the crucified, as a true bride ransomed by the blood of the Christ crucified, for that is my wish. You see very well that you are a bride and that he has espoused you, you and everyone else, and not with a ring of silver, but with a ring of his own flesh. Look at the tender little child who on the eighth day, when he was circumcised, gave up just so much flesh as to make a tiny, tiny circlet of a ring. Gross. Horrifying. I hate, hate it, it so much. Yeah, don't like that. So, this is more of the virginity bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I got riled up when I was writing this. <laughs> so, gross. all of this virginity bullshit is just like, it's so obvious to me that it's an addition by, like, the patriarchal church later, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, but the fact, like, usually, you know, it's like, you know, one of these, like, pledged their virginity, became a nun, whatever. Um, but this one, it makes it a little bit worse because, like, even she's writing about it and, like, yeah. she believes it, which, you know, sign of the times and stuff. That's how she was raised, you know, all that stuff. But I hate it so much. So yeah, that's gross. all this virginity, like, marriage to Christ shit is weird comes up a lot with female saints as we know um i hate it so much because it's not just like oh you know you're Mm -hmm. living an ascetic life you're not eating you're giving to the poor so you're also not like having relationships like all that makes sense to me it's not just that of like you know i'm not gonna have any like bodily you know joys basically i'm gonna live you know, yeah. in a way that's like devoted to crash all that stuff. Oh, that's fine. But it's just when they're like, just for the women, you can't be you can't be like a virgin and you can't be uh celibate without being owned by a male figure. Hence mm-hmm. the marriage to Christ. Yeah. And it even comes back to like the stories of which we'll come to later, which is one of her, re- one of Catherine's redeeming qualities, actually. But mm-hmm. it even goes back to Mary, where Mary wasn't allowed just to have an immaculate conception. She still mm-hmm. had to, they still had to convince Joseph and she still had yeah. to marry to Joseph. Yeah. And it's just like, it's this weird dichotomy of like, women need to be pure, but also need to be owned via marriage or they can't be pure. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's like, Gross. what? 
And then, oh, it's just, and it's like, why, why don't the monks need to be married to Mary? Yeah. Like, if they're supposed to be celibate and stuff, too, shouldn't they be like, oh, we're so devoted to Mary, we're, we're married, we're taking on the position yeah. of Joseph, we're married to Mary. Mm-hmm. But they don't fucking do that. Like, it no, would be better if don't. that, if that's what they did, you know? Yeah. But no. no. It is, it's gross. Yeah. Don't I hate like. it. I hate it. And the, the whole, <laughs> the, the whole foreskin thing, I'm just like, what the actual fuck? So gross. I hate it. I hate it so much. And the fact that she's telling other people about it, I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, it's so bad. I hate it so much. So anyway. Weird fucking shit. Well, this is a good start. Yes. So this is one of the big reasons, like, you know, one of the big reasons I I am conflicted about her because it's like, you know, a lot of the other ones, there's like, they never wrote anything about this kind of stuff, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, like I didn't want to get married, you know? And you're like, okay. Um, But it's, it's not common that we have somebody who like, we have things written from her. Mm-hmm. Where she's very obviously like, no, you have to be like married to Jesus and stuff like that. So it's just like, usually you can just write it off as like an addition to the story later, but because she wrote about it, you can't. <laughs> and then I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it, Catherine. <laughs> why are you like this? I mean, I know why you're like this because you uh-huh. lived in the 1300s, but still. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, it's so unfortunate. So, okay. Weird shit. Gross. Generally. Right seems like she was you know a good person though like aesthetic life constantly giving to the poor etc um to the extent that in her lifetime when she's still relatively young she gathers a slight following and people are like you know like following her she's kind of traveling around italy a little bit you know doing stuff with the poor um she by 1374 probably it's kind of unclear but Probably she's interviewed and confirmed as a member of the Dominicans. Um, mm-hmm. So she ends up as, you know, going the Dominican. Uh, this is when she gains the guy, Raymond Capua, as her confessor and spiritual guider, guidance guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, by 1375, so a year later, uh, she is said to have dissuaded the authorities of Pisa and Luca away from an alliance mm-hmm. with an anti-papal group. Uh, so she's okay. starting to get involved in politics, which is most of what she's known for. Mm-hmm. Um, she spends her time uh, also speaking and trying to help the cause for a new crusade. She's also unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. of the Not times, good, but I guess. it is what it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, at this, also, so, so also at this time when she's in Pisa. Um, it's reported in her confessor's biography that this is when she rece- receives the stigmata. Fun. But at her request, the stigmata is invisible. Mm, I think that means that maybe you didn't have the stigmata then. Yes. Yeah. So this this and like her tone in her letters, <laughs> like to me... Her personality feels very much like attention seeking uh-huh. and like, I'm so, look how close to God I am, uh-huh. which kind of makes me not like her very much <laughs> because yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, you have the stigmata and sure, you ask God to make it invisible. Like, it sounds very cult leader uh-huh. you know? 
and it's not my favorite. Um, and maybe that's just, you know, how this guy who wrote the biographies, like, portrays her. Uh, like, maybe she never claimed to have the stigmata, and mm-hmm. this guy just wants her to be, you know, more important than maybe she was, you know? Mm-hmm. And he makes stuff up. But, man, it's not getting me on her side, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, don't like it. So, no. um, she's generally traveling and stuff all over Italy and a bit of Europe. Um, she starts sending letters to, mm-hmm. like, everybody. Um. And she actually, for most of her life, she can read, but she can't write. Uh, so okay. she is actually dictating most of these letters. Um, so through these letters, she advocates for peace between various groups, like getting into politics, trying to get mm-hmm. people to stop fighting, which, you know, is good. Um, mm-hmm. She advocates for the ter- return of the papacy to Rome, since this was at the time when it was in Avignon, France. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a weird time, but it's somewhere else. Um She's, like, you know, generally writing to people she knows about, you know, God uh-huh. stuff, religious stuff. Um, she is sometimes credited with convincing Pope Gregory Eleventh to return the papacy to Rome, which uh-huh. he did in January of 1377, right after, like, the month after she made a visit to him in Avignon. Mm-hmm. Um, she travels a few times to Florence uh when because this is one of the time this is you know at the time when italy is not italy it's a bunch of little like Mm -hmm. city state things um so florence is its own thing and she tries to negotiate for peace between florence and rome uh Mm -hmm. when she's there pope gregory dies um in rome and riots break out in florence and since she's there she's nearly assassinated because she's associated Mm -hmm. with the pope and there's tensions there uh eventually supposedly she helps things die down and then in uh, 1378, uh, we've got the outbreak of the Western Schism, and mm-hmm. Urban VI invites her to Rome, where she, like, tries to help convince everybody that he's the legitimate pope. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay. So she's kind of, like, involved in the politics of keeping the Catholic Church as, yeah. like, the papal Catholic Church, you know? Yeah. Um, so throughout her life, she lives in poverty, fasting, asceticism, etc. But to an extent that her confessor guy, eventually, he's like, you've got to eat properly. Like, you're, you're just gonna die. Like, you're just gonna waste away. Yeah. So you like, you yeah. have to eat. So- <laughs> like, he's like, I get that all of us are like fasting and shit. He's like, we're all mm-hmm. fasting. But like, we're not gonna die from fasting. You know, yeah. like, we, we're still supposed to be like, you know, like spreading the word and shit Mm -hmm. so uh she does not do this uh by 1380 she can no longer swallow and by Uh the end of february of that year she loses the use of her legs how old is Uh, she in 1380 13 middle-aged old yes so she is 39 Uh so you know old ish for the time but not old old enough to be aged yeah not Not old enough to be wasting away yeah yeah Yeah. except that she's severely not eating in her confessor's mm-hmm. like bro <laughs> you gotta eat but yeah. she can't eat now because by 1380 she can't swallow so she can't swallow she loses the use of her legs and on april 29th of 1380 katarina dies at the age of 39 after suffering a severe stroke um her last words are recorded as quote father into your hands i commend my soul and my spirit okay classic yeah classic stuff 
uh, wasted yep. away, but she still lived to 40, so, you know, she got a lot of stuff done. Um, she's very mm-hmm. well known for her kind of, like, political work, essentially. But, mm-hmm. okay, so, a lot of this information comes from the extensive records of her life by, mostly by Raymond, because he, like, wrote it down pretty much immediately after she died. So he writes books about her and just about random stuff that include her uh, in 1412 and 1418. So Mm -hmm. only like 30 years later, he's writing a bunch of stuff. Um, And oddly, (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. interesting. (laughs) Oddly, hundreds of her letters to various people about various mostly religious things Mm -hmm. are seen today as some of the most important historical representations of early Tuscan literature. Uh, and (laughs) we know that most of them are dictated to scribes because she doesn't learn to write until 1377, which is only three years before she dies. Um, Uh basically everything's assumed to have come from like her mind and not the scribes because she was dictating them. Um, so today 382 letters have survived. Um, many of them are to the Pope, uh, but cause you know, the Vatican saves stuff. So the Vatican has the letter she wrote, you know? (laughs) So, mm-hmm. but uh, other people who received and saved these letters include Raymond of Capua, the guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the kings of France and Hungary, uh, the mercenary John Harkwood, the queen of Naples, etc. So big people okay. she's right yep. to. Fancy people. And who wrote back and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, a little bit oddly, but maybe not that weird for the time. Only a third of her letters are to women. But, which, you know, not maybe not surprising, especially if you're doing political yeah. work. Most of the, pol- like, politicians are men. But also, mm-hmm. it's it's also kind of surprising from the other direction of, like, she is, like, purposely writing to women, even if they aren't necessarily in positions of, like, power, you know? Yeah. So there's something to be said there, I guess. Um, she also writes 26 prayers um, that she mostly wrote in the last couple of years of her life. So some people, like, still use these prayers today. Um for she also wrote uh, a book that a lot of people just called the dialogue it has a longer name but it mm-hmm. is a conversation between her soul and god supposedly that she experienced through multiple visions um in this dialogue is probably so this dialogue is probably one of the most important writings on theology and is why she's considered a doctor of the church um mm-hmm. A lot of it is about how to understand and, like, perceive the relationship of, like, you and your soul to God. So she describes uh, things like Christ being the bridge between God and the human soul, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and she pus- pushes the belief that God is not, like, a being for you to, like, fight against or, like, get in good with, you know? She Mm -hmm. describes it as God is the sea in which all people are fish. And that, like, God is not, like, this one other thing that's other from you. It's like, you are already in it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, You're in it and you'll always be in it. And you can either, like, accept that you're in it and go with it. Or you could just, like, continue to fight it, you know? Um, Okay. Which is, like, either you're with it or you're against the entire, like, existence and space in which you exist. Yes. Which makes sense. Um, Yes. And this was, like, you know, kind of novel and, you know, things like that. So this is mostly why she's seen as a doctor of the church, because she is spreading kind of, like, 
more revolutionary, honestly, more like abstract ways to think about God rather than just, you know, be good or bad and like, yeah, heaven and hell. It's I guess like, that's no. a step forward. Yeah. So of her writings and things, I'm like, man, it's, it's pretty good. Of her like theology stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. All, that's all right. Um, Another part that redeems her that I like a lot and that people try and say she didn't think, but I'm like. I'm going to hope that she thought it because it's the only thing that I think redeems her. (laughs) So uh, she wrote at one point about, I think, I don't know if this is in the dialogues or if this is in one of the letters, not sure. But she writes at one point about a vision of Mary, Mm -hmm. which is fun, um, where Mary tells her that she, Mary, uh, had been conceived with original sin. Ooh, that's how it's supposed to be. Right. So much later and today, it is generally said that, you know, Mary was selected from the beginning before Mary Mm -hmm. was born. Mary was chosen to be the mother of God. And Mary, because of that, God made Mary born without original sin. Mm -hmm. In this vision, Catherine is saying, is like talking to Mary and Mary's like, no, I was I was born with original sin, Mm -hmm. just like any other person. Um. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, and she writes about this like a couple times, about this idea of uh, Catherine thinking that, like, no, Mary was born with original sin, which was like, yeah, completely against what the doctrine was at the time and is now. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, I like this a lot because to me, it changes Mary into even more of just Just a a person. person. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it better, too. Yeah, like, even if she was selected before she was born, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, like, it, it makes that, the whole thing of, like, people are like, oh, like, God gave us Jesus to forgive our sins. And it's, like, it takes that, like, one step further of, like, yeah, God gave Jesus to somebody who wasn't perfect. Yeah. And on purpose, well, somebody like, who wasn't it's, perfect. It's less impressive for her to do these things if she, like, got a boost. Right. Right. Yeah. From the beginning. It's more right. impressive if she did all of it and was just a normal person. Yeah. Which is like the same reason that like Jesus being a person is important. Right. Because if he's just God, it's like, well, yeah, of course. He's perfect. Yeah. But he yeah, wasn't perfect. A- like he's. Yeah. Like that whole that whole scene in the um, temple when he's like pretty young and he's flipping tables and shit. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the best examples of like, you wouldn't think God would do that. And it's like. Yeah, it's because yeah, he was a person, a person and he was mad. Like he wasn't yeah. perfect. And I wonder when the uh I wonder where the thing about Mary not having original sin comes from. I don't like, know. I bet it comes from old stuff, or did somebody add it later? I mean, I, I bet it's in from. things like the original books. Like Mark Maybe. Matthew. Like that kind of stuff of like those guys yeah. who are just writing about shit. But sometimes you hear about things that you're like, surely that's really old and in the Bible. And then I'm like, maybe no, it's it not. was added in 1400. And you're yeah. like, oh. Well, okay. apparently it was already like the common doctrine the yeah. by the late 1300s. Well, so, that's, she's I like that. That's yeah. better. I like Good it for too. you, Mary. Yes. Um, and so she writes about, Catherine writes about this a couple times, but pretty much everybody today and then uh, after she dies, claims that uh, there must have been a mistake. She didn't actually believe this. Um, 
because again, women must be no, pillaged every way. You don't, you don't get no. You don't get to pick exactly. and choose which things. Yeah, that's exactly like the whole problem that like right wing fundamentalists are having that there's right. a cherry pick. Yeah, like, either you believe it all or you believe you none of it. There is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Yeah, yeah. and so they're like, if you like, accept oh, everything else, you have to accept yeah. this. They're like, yeah. she can't have believed this, and people even claim that like the biographer later like misunderstood her writings and like attributed this to her i mean yeah obviously that's possible but if but, you if, why are you pointing that out for this specifically not right for literally everything i think yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and yeah so people are like okay you know raymond attributed it wrong or even i think even raymond in his writings is like she can't possibly have believed this like we're going to shove this under the rug because we want to make her a saint. And so arrogant to be like, so no, Mary, Mary must be wrong. Yeah. Mary like, must wow, not understand okay. what Mary is talking about and about Mary's life. If you're believing all of her other visions, like, you have to, if you're why putting, would you get this one wrong? Exactly. If you're putting so much weight on the dialogue book that she wrote, yeah. which is between her and God, what is to say that she didn't have a vision of Mary? You can't just, like, not believe that vision. Yeah. If she's like, talking, she wrote if, a whole book about the other misinterp- one. If she's misinterpreting Mary, then she's probably misinterpreting that God. She's misinterpreting God, too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Either gosh. everything is suspicious. You have to treat all of it or the same. Or nothing is. Yeah. You can't just be like, mm, no, Mary's, right. this doesn't feel like Mary. I don't believe you. It's like, no, yeah. you believe all of it or you believe none of it. Those yeah. are the only two options. And the other part is some people were like, oh, she must have just like misunderstood Mary and like she misunderstood the concept and stuff. And so they were just like calling her dumb. And I'm like, I think that's fucking, okay. that's fucking dumb. First of all, <laughs> it's rude. That's rude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Second of all, I personally feel like if you are having a divinely inspired vision of Mary, it is not possible to misunderstand her. That's true. Yep. Right? Like, she's, yeah. not, she's not talking to you like some guy on the street, right? No. She's, like, in your head and in, in your, your soul. Yeah. You can't misunderstand her. Right. Right? How could she's you not, misunderstand she's not, her? Mary's not letting you misunderstand her. <laughs> yeah. That's not, I just don't believe that that's possible. Oh, God. It's so annoying. So, like, that's one of those things that I think redeems her a little bit. Because she does. it seems like she writes about it a couple times and is like, no, I think Mary had original I think Mary sin. knows what Mary's talking about. <laughs> And I don't oh, know that so she, irritating. like, really spread it a bunch because it was so against doctrine at the time, but she writes about it a couple times, and she's yeah. like, you know, I think really Mary might have been. Oh, that's uh, irritating. I think Mary told me what okay. Mary knew. Don't yeah. love that. I mean, I love I love the idea of Mary having original sin. I know. I do not love I'm the, just like, that makes perfect picking. sense to me. Yeah, makes perfect sense to me. And it's crazy also, that, just like... just the arrogance of the cherry picking drives oh, me yes. crazy. Yeah. It's like, you insane. think, you think you, some random dude... 500 years later you think you know more about this than the people who were there and what yeah. mary said yeah is that really how ever any okay. of this works great yeah. mister get yeah. over yourself Sir? you're Sir? wrong you yeah. don't like it not god's problem yeah and it just it goes back to the patriarchy thing again because it's like even that whole doctrine in and of itself is like even though like if she was born with original sin that would just enhance everything you know it yeah, just makes it just that makes whole story better, better. But yep. still, like, people, like, the patriarchy cannot get over it and is like, no, she had to have been pure in every way, i.e. she had to have been a mer- virgin, i.e. she had to have been born with original without original sin. And it's just more of the same. And I fucking hate it. Anyway. Okay. Rant over. Soapbox well, done. That's very annoying. Anyway. It redeems Catherine a little bit. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, after she dies, she is buried in a cemetery near Rome, near the Pantheon which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
miracles are like immediately reported at her grave basically from the start and so raymond has her body moved to the basilica of saint maria sopra minerva uh where most of her is today Mm -hmm. Um, so we have two stories about her head um so the one that's like I think probably actually true because supposedly a place actually has her head. Anyway, when she was that. moved from the cemetery to the basilica. Wait, well, didn't we just talk about this last week that you're supposed to keep the head with the rest of it? Yeah. <laughs> like, please don't do that. Please stop taking heads. Yeah, anyway. Okay. <laughs> so she moves. She, she's moved from the cemetery to the basilica. And at this time, her head is taken. And also apparently a thumb don't know why mm. apparently Weird, both her but doesn't head, bother me as much yes i don't know why they picked like if you're taking your head just leave the thumb like what <laughs> but well anyway. it's because like i feel like fingers are a very common thing to distribute as relics yeah, like a single finger like bone the you hand know? of god and stuff yeah um apparently they are also incorrupt at this time don't know how long she's been buried but when they're moving her she's incorrupt okay. head and Good. thumb incorrupt Fun. uh head wait, just wait just her head and her thumb are incorrupt or all of her I assume all of it, but they only mention the head and thumb okay. are incorrupt. So. I feel like it's really gross if she's incorrupt to cut her head and her thumb oh, off, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's way worse than that's just taking like a skull. Just decapitating a person. Yeah. yeah that's not. Yeah, no, that's bad. bad. That is horrifying. But they do yes. it anyway. Uh, and of then they they, they uh, gild it in gold and make it into a bust. Um, okay. And then it's taken right. and paraded around Italy. Um in these parades, Katarina's mother, Lapa, who lives to 89, walks hmm. behind Different. her daughter's head in the parades. Oh, I wouldn't like that. Nope. Uh, nope. <laughs> the crazy thing, Lapa even, she helps Raymond write her daughter's biographies, too, which is crazy. Uh, I mean, good for her. Uh, yeah, she's old as hell. She's, like, kicking. I don't know. Yep. Cool. Okay. Um, so, after these parades, the incorrupt head and thumb are entombed in the Basilica of San Domenico in Siena, where they are today. Mm-hmm. So theoretically in Rome, there's the rest of her body, and in Siena, there's a head and a thumb. I think that part is actually true, in the sense okay. that, I mean, maybe they paraded it around, maybe they didn't, but her head and her thumb do seem like they are in Siena. Okay. Now, there's another story <laughs> about her head. Oh no. <laughs> Which must not be true, but I guess we'll get to that in a minute. So the people of Siena, uh, I think around the time that she's being moved from the cemetery to the basilica, the people mm-hmm. of Siena are like, uh, we want some bits of her body because she's from Siena. So they decided they should steal it. Um, which, how Christian is that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they basically decide that they're like, they're so confident. They're like, Catherine would obviously rather have her body, or at the very least, her head in Siena. <laughs> I mean, that might be true. I mean, maybe, but, but like, I feel like okay, <laughs> like, damn, <laughs> you're like really sure about it, and you're gonna fucking steal it. Like, but what? She died in Rome, though, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I would assume no. so if she was buried initially buried in a yeah. cemetery in Rome. Right. So they decide they should steal it. So they try and go and steal her body from rome but they were like okay we gotta be realistic we can't possibly get her whole body 
out of Rome. So mm. we're just going to take her head. Um, mm. So they get a hold of her theoretically incorrupt head and put it in a bag. Wait, isn't um, it covered in gold or something? No. So this is a separate story. So oh, okay. you'll see what I mean in a second. But okay. <laughs> um, this is a different story that theoretically happened. Miracle-y kind of thing. We'll discuss what happens to her head. Um, <laughs> takes her incorrupt head, puts it in a bag. They're trying to leave Rome. They're stopped by some Roman guards. By the walls, etc. The guards are like, yo, open that bag. Mm-hmm. Um, don't open then, that bag. <laughs> don't open that bag. <laughs> uh, open that bag. And they like quickly pray to Catherine and they're like, you would rather have your body in Sienna, right? Um, so they open the bag to show the guards. Uh, and instead of her head, there is a pile of rose petals in the bag. Well, that's fun. Which is good. I mean, that's because still a weird thing to be take carrying through the walls, but a little bit. But it's less weird than a head. Uh, it's I not suppose. gonna probably not gonna get you arrested. Um, yeah. That's all fine and dandy, but then where is her head? <laughs> Does it not turn back into a head after they go through the gate? No, that's the end of oh. the story. <laughs> okay. So, so that feels like kind of the opposite of what they needed then. Because they went through all this effort to steal her head, yeah, they just don't have her head Exactly, and it's like, they pray to Catherine, and they're like, wouldn't you rather have your head in Sienna? And then she's like, no. No. (laughs) She turns it into rose petals, and it's like, stop trying to take my goddamn head. Put it back. (laughs) Okay. So, so then it's like, okay, does she, did she make, you know took the head, put the head back with her body, and then made that bag rose petals? Or is the head just gone? (laughs) Or does it turn back into her head later, and they're just not part of the story? I don't know. And then they lose it. Yeah, like, my thought would be that she puts the head back, or, like, it's an illusion. They never actually took her head in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an illusion to them, and then it turns into rose petals, and that her head is, like, just still in her with her body. And then mm-hmm. later, they actually do, like, for real, come back, take her head and her thumb, gild it, do the parades, ends up in Sienna mm-hmm. anyway. So but today, if they think it's in Sienna. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because there is a shrine. There is, like, this is theoretically the relics Can of St. Catherine. It? If I Google it, is there a gold head? I don't know. I'm actually not sure. Theoretically, let's find out. There is there is a shrine for sure in the basilica with her body. You know, she's in a tomb or whatever. Um, and then there is uh, her head would be. Oh, it's no. the basilica of San Domenico in Siena. Did you oh, find it? Oh no! Would you like to share it with me? Uh, yeah, sure. Hang on. And I gotta <laughs> enable sharing. Okay, go for it. Victoria has started screen sharing. Oh, that's... Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> oh, no. It's bad. Oh, God. That's not. It's not preserved in cold, though. It's just in a box. No. I mean, it does look pretty good for, what? I mean, it's a mummy. years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, it kind of doesn't look real. It kind of looks like It doesn't look like plaster or something. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a plaster cast. But I don't know. Well, either way, those people didn't steal it, I guess, that time. Well, that's great for them. Who the hell knows? Okay. Um, so, yeah. So she is, you know, she's got some, got some, you know, shrines and stuff. Um, Pope Pius II uh, visits Siena and canonizes her on the 29th of June in 1461. So really quick, pretty much mm-hmm. after her death, within 100 years. Much later... Uh, October 4th, 1970, 
Uh, Pope Paul VI names her a doctor of the church almost simultaneously. Uh, so within like a month of naming Teresa of Avila a doctor of the church, which makes Catherine okay. and Teresa the first female doctors. Um, okay. Do we named? know what, what a doctor of the church means? Um, it's... Uh, I know so it's like a high-ranking saint. Yeah, so we've kind of covered it with, like, Cyril and Methodius and a couple of the other ones. I think, uh... Are Cyril and Methodius doctors of the church? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and Albert really? Magnus is. We covered it with Albert Magnus, too. Oh. So Albert Magnus and, like, all these guys, it's, it's like, extreme contributions to, you know, church doctrine, church theology, the mm-hmm. church existing, you know, things like that. So, as far as I can tell, Catherine's made a doctor because of her, uh theology writings because of her political work of like main keeping the existence of the church alive you know things like that okay if that makes sense um so after some moving around are not oh they're not albert magnus is though what year was he born oh yeah he is i don't know he's on that list though um so after some fiddling around with her feast day in the 1600s, um, <laughs> her feast day is returned to April 29th, which is the day she died. Um, and that's the day it is today. Uh, and she's mm-hmm. also, interesting, interestingly, recognized in the Church of England and the Episcopal Church as well. Um, okay. In April of 1866, Pope Pius IX declares Katerina the co-patroness of Rome. Um, and then it happens again. Later in 1939, when Pope Pius XII names her and St. Francis of Assisi co-patrons of Italy. And Uh again, later in 1999, when Pope John Paul II makes her one of the patron saints of all of Europe, along with Teresa Benedicta of the Cross and Bridget of Sweden. Mm -hmm. Um, She's also weirdly the patroness of a Catholic American women's sorority, Theta Phi Alpha. (laughs) All right. I mean, I guess they need one. <laughs> sure. Um, didn't even know that there were Catholic sororities. Me neither. Um, and we didn't she's have also, sororities at all in Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then she's also given, you know, generally the patronages of like bodily ills, nurses, sick people, miscarriages, Europe, Italy, the Diocese of Allentown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. And two regions of the the Diocese of two regions of the Philippines. That I cannot pronounce, unfortunately. Um, so overall, Classic she's remembered. Classic stuff. Yeah. Um, so overall, she's remembered as being one of the most important mystic, like, theological writers in Catholic history. Um, and is lauded for her immense influence on European politics at the time. Uh, I guess that's good. Yep. And that is... St. Catherine of Siena, who I don't know how to feel about. <laughs> it seems, I just like I know, I'm pretty sure she's a, like a reasonably popular choice for like girls getting confirmed. Yeah, she is to pick she as their sure thing. Is. And like, but why? Yeah, like just because she's a doctor of the church, like she doesn't like her story is not wildly different than many others. I think it's just many others. Yeah, like partially so she's just famous. Yeah, I think partially because she's just a doctor of the church, she's just mm-hmm. m- one of the more well-known saints. Yeah. Which is so. Boring. Yeah. She's kind of yeah. weird. Um, not my favorite. 
Uh, yeah, I really don't like the uh, cherry picking. No, I also really don't like the circumcision stuff. Yeah, I'm just that's like also why, gross. why? When people claim that Christianity and Catholicism isn't pagan, I'm like, <laughs> look at this fucking shit. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's don't. It's uh, so bad. So. Her personality doesn't seem like my most favorite, uh, but also maybe some of that was done later. Because, mm. you know, yeah. she was also just talking, but like her her writings about like her, like the conversation with God and the stuff with Mary and stuff, that seems like good. Like, yeah, how like re fine. reframing how you think about like, what is God? Like, that seems pretty interesting. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like the freaking patriarchy man <laughs> just can't yeah classic and this is probably one of the worst cases this is i think by far the worst case of it we've had and like probably the first saint who's like you know doesn't make you just be like oh like they were a good person that's good that they're a saint you're just kind of like uh. <laughs> you just seem odd uh, should be she be a saint if she's claiming she has the stigmata but it's quote-unquote invisible <laughs> mm. But, I mean, I guess that comes back to, like, if you're going to believe everything else she says. Ugh. I don't know. Or did she even that. say that? Or did, or did uh, Somebody else made Raymond it make it up later? Because Raymond mm-hmm. is the one who claims that she gets the invisible stigmata in his biography. There's never any of her writings can, that says she has stigmata. Can, I don't think you can have an invisible stigmata. I don't think you can either. I think that's <laughs> the kind of the whole, the point, whole point of the stigmata it. is that it's visible. Yeah. Oh God! But can like can you imagine if Jesus went up to um Thomas or whoever after he was resurrected and be like, "Look, can you imagine where I got stabbed by <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> look, it's definitely there. I know you can't see it. See it, but, but like, look, they put a nail look. through my hand. <laughs> God. Ugh. All right. Well, she's. I don't know. She seems. That's very like mixed. it. Kind of all balances out to be kind of just nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Oh God! It's strange. I do think it's weird that she's so popular. If she, it is like weird. on the whole, balances out to be kind of nothing. Yeah. It clearly showing you that like a lot of people are not actually thinking through who their oh saints, yeah their for their sure confirmation saints are. Absolutely, they're given a list and they're like, oh, Catherine's. Yeah, pretty. and then they just pick one. Yeah. yeah, they just pick one, which isn't good. It's not what it's for. I wanted to do um, Saint Margaret, but there wasn't enough evidence that she existed. You mean today you wanted to do St. Margaret? Or for you no, to well, in, in general, because St. Margaret but was the one who cut herself Margaret's out. Margaret's already her. part of your name. With a cross. <laughs> I mean, that would have been fun. Yeah, she got eaten by a dragon, but she had a, she had a cross <laughs> then on her neck. your name would have been extremely repetitive. It would have been, yes, it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it makes sense that eventually we were going to find a saint that we were just like, what? <laughs> About. Yeah, I mean, to be like. But, there's a uh, lot of saints where I read like the first paragraph of their Wikipedia page, and I'm like, no, I'm not. This is I'm not going to like this. Yeah, like they're going to come across as colonial and gross, and something's right. going to be wrong with it. And I don't. Well, that's I just kind don't of obvious. It. Yeah, yeah. This one, I was like, oh, like she's a doctor of the church, one of the first female doctors of the church. I'm like, because I was kind of looking for. I was like, let's let's throw it back to like the real old European shit again. Like, what the hell <laughs> not? I was like, I need a woman. I'm like, oh, doctor of the church. She must, have, you know. We did yeah, Magnus. Magnus good. was wild, crazy yeah, he guy. Was weird. <laughs> he was not crazy in a bad way. He was just a weird dude. <laughs> yep. 
So I was like, oh, why not? And I started reading it. And, like, all of it seems fine. Like, you know, her childhood. The crazy part mm-hmm. about her mom having 25 kids. That's crazy. Um, I was like, all good stuff. All good stuff. And then we got to the goddamn circumcision part. And I'm like, what is happening? I hate this. This is weird. And I was like, yeah. this is going to live in my brain forever. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Now it's in your brain, too. <laughs> Oh, I was in so much pain writing it. I was like, somebody else has to hear this because I hate it. So, <laughs> like, we take a quick turn, you know, all the stuff about her being a kid. You're kind of just like, okay, like, yeah, generic sure. old timey kid. Sure. She does that weird stuff about like a mind palace situation, which doesn't seem healthy. Uh, no, that doesn't seem. And it kind of seems like a trauma response. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sounds like a not healthy trauma response where you just kind of lock everything down and you probably shouldn't yeah. tell other people to do that. Um. So yeah. <laughs> well, good. good now job, you know the I truth guess. about Catherine of Siena. Great. I'm sure that'll come in very handy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, if any well, of your children want to do Catherine for for a confirmation name, you could be like, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe look out for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe like uh, keep out, keep your eyes open for all, and also of Siena, all the more to reason not to ever go to Siena. Uh, yeah, I guess. they have a scary head. They do have a scary head. Post a picture of it with a warning on the Instagram page. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, gnarly. Yeah. So that's, that's Ooh. us. That's Catherine oh. of Siena. <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed that. Um, if you could do all of the normal podcast things, uh, like and review and subscribe on whichever platform you use. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram. The handle is at Martyr and Monk. And we will just post some pictures of Catherine of Siena and the, her scary head um, and various other things. Uh, so you can follow us there. Uh, and that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks and we'll see you then. Bye.